Welcome to The Five. Today is July 21st, and the five topics for today. Shorter lifespans in the United States, an opioid epidemic settlement, longer commutes for people going to work, Major League Baseball pitcher problems, and the decline of Netflix. Joining me today on my right is Ben. I am Tyler. Let's get going. So the first item today, shorter lifespans. So the Wall Street Journal is reporting that in 2020, life expectancy in the U.S. fell by 1.5 years, the biggest decline since at least World War II. Uh, so pretty much uh, 2020, which is the data, life expectancy now in the U.S. is 77.3 years. Uh, it's not known entirely what that was, but COVID probably a big part of it that killed hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. And drug overdoses, and homicides, and yeah. chronic diseases. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really not all that surprising. I mean, honestly, I would be more surprised if it was the other way around. Yeah. You know? Like, um, how did it not, how would it not go down? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. now, I mean, you already have, like, things like diabetes and, uh, you know, all these other, like you said, chronic illnesses and stuff like that. And then you now you got, you know, COVID-19 on top of that. And then you got homicides, which... You know, it seems to always be homicides, no matter what year it is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of not, it's kind of expected. Yeah, and, and to draw context, it's kind of interesting. So yeah. typically in this country, as medical science advances, people live longer. Mm -hmm. So the average, the average lifespan of that 77.3 years in 2020 is about the same as it was in 2003. Yeah. So to draw context, uh, 17, 18 years ago, then how you count those things. Right. Uh, it's about what it was then. It had constantly been increasing a little bit at a time, and now it's now it's a little bit shorter, which is not a surprise at all, really. Right. When you think about that one thing, which leads to the next topic, is drug overdoses. So there was, let's see, there has been ongoing opioid epidemic lawsuits going on. People, doctors, companies, all this prescribing, pushing these opioids. Hardcore. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. The nation's three largest distributors agreed to pay $1.2 billion mm. to New York State to settle a trial because they supposedly fueled widespread opioid addiction. addiction yeah. And that's part of still about $26 billion mm. going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the opioid epidemic is easy to. to it's easy to not think about it, yeah. but it's like really real. Do you know anybody that's had issues with oh, opioid yeah. addiction? I mean, I've known um, several people that have unfortunately really? overdosed and been killed by that. And yeah, it's this the addiction. I mean, it's one of the unless you know it and live through it, you never understand like how strong that addiction really is. And then you get people, you know, that that are desperate to buy that stuff, and then they ended up buying it from black market. And it usually has some other stuff in it, like fentanyl, which is really what's kill what's what's killing people. You've known multiple people mm -hmm. that have overdosed and died from opioid yes. addiction. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't known anybody. I've known so, uh, several people I went to. Uh, I grew up with some people were you know were you know were family relatives and stuff like that. But yeah, it's just it's been a real problem. It's been a problem for a very long time. I'm not surprised that it went up during a year where people were working from home and were bored, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So more time to, if they don't have to go to work and they're not getting drug tested, because no one's getting drug tested staying at home. Yeah, it's true, it's a good point. You know what I'm saying? I'm not really surprised that it uh, that 2020 was a terrible year for overdoses. And then plus like, you know, if you're addicted to that stuff, then like I said, 
and we're likely going to probably try to get that stuff from a source where you shouldn't be getting that mm -hmm. stuff from because it's going to be really probably going to be cheaper but it's probably going to be very dangerous and then the fentanyl problem which i don't know if it was addressed in that in that article but the, the fentanyl that all these painkillers and opi all these opioids and, and stuff like that that are laced with that is what's really because it's really easy to overdose on yeah that's it's nuts and mm -hmm. i guess there's so much blame to go around because you have people like because they have the big manufacturers and you have the distributors mm -hmm. you have the doctors and some would say they you could pretty much share that blame across so much of it yeah i mean a lot of them are saying well this is fda approved and we prescribed it in the thing yeah. but like you a lot of people give doctors a hard time because they're just so willing and eager just to give you some pain medication on your way you here's, here's a fancy well, pain yeah, medication like, well when you have an er room you know filled with people and then a lot of them are saying that they have chronic pain and they absolutely need this in order for the pain to go away and like it's like as a doctor it's like what do you do it's like i mean this person keeps coming back to the er and they keep trying to you know gain the system by you know acting like they were so hurt that they actually need these painkillers that have these this opioid stuff medicine in it i mean uh you hear about that a lot and so i don't know it's just the addiction it's the length that people are willing to go to in order to get this stuff now your your wife holly she's mm -hmm. a nurse right she talk about I think as we hang out sometimes, right, people don't know. And I think I've heard her mention, like, you can kind of tell the people that are just trying to be there yeah. just to get drugs versus... Yeah, and it's not even just her. Like, when you go to the ER and you talk to nurses and stuff like that, they'll tell you, there'll be things on the wall that will say, like, if you are, if you have chest pain or whatever, you have to go through the ER and then you have to go through a step-by-step -step basis. We do not subscribe medicine here at all. You just can't get drugs. Yeah. Like we will not subscribe, you know, and that's literally on the walls at the hospital. So that just lets you know that it's an actual problem. Yeah. You know, so. Taking a bit of a turn, but along a path of that, a divergent, talking yeah. about working from home. So they were saying that people are doing longer commutes a lot of times because there's a couple of factors with working from home and then the surging home prices. So according to Zillow, uh, da -da -da -da, there's about been a there's median home prices going up let's see uh home prices in transit accessible neighborhoods reversal prior years about 32 percent increase in home prices and so with home prices going up people are thinking they're going to be a little more aware it's a great time to sell harder time to buy yeah. of where they're going to end up at and mm -hmm. because they're if they're commuting less often to work they're thinking yeah. if maybe I drive three days a week, 45 minutes out of every day, 15 minutes, and save $100,000. Man, what has really become of this this home, you know, how mm -hmm. the buying and selling market, I feel like it's just an all out mess and then people don't really know what to expect because now you have people buying homes for almost twice than what they're really worth and stuff like that. But now, like, now this article to me makes sense because like if you are working from home, if you have enlisted this pandemic, really exposed on how much can really be done mm -hmm. from home uh there's a lot a lot of people don't really need to take a commute into work and when they can do everything from a computer at home so why would you spend more money to live in a city that's closer to your job when actually you can save money by going mm -hmm. out further and you're staying there if you're not you know if you're one of those people lucky that don't have to drive into work 
it makes all the sense in the world. And you're going to be commuting and then, less. And then also now, like I said, now people are uh, houses are selling for more. Now people are just like, well, I would rather just save money and driving further than having to have a, a monthly mortgage that's yeah. just through the roof. It makes more sense to just be willing to just drive longer than you know. And a lot of the the home price stuff and like off market transactions that's never been for sale. Yeah. Uh, like multiple all cash offers and yeah. like zero inspection stuff. It's been really crazy right. for a lot of homes. So people saying like it's hard because they'll make full price offers, but they like like many American families <laughs> don't have like a full check to write for the full amount of a house. Yeah. So like oh yeah. we only accept all cash offers. I just feel like right now is the worst time to buy or sell a home. I know everyone was saying like if you want to sell your home you do it well, now. It's a good time to sell, not a good time to buy. Well, well the thing <laughs> is now you hear people are backing out. You know people are backing out all the time because like they'll they'll get so close and then they'll back out at the very last minute because they're just like okay that price is too high. They're not willing to pay that. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So if you're actually desperate to sell your home, like you really want to sell your home so you can move, I feel like it's it's kind of frustrating because now because you hear uh, people all the time are just willing to back out or just wait until you lower the price and stuff. It's just, um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's really it's even worse if you're if you're buying a home. Obviously, yeah. it's even worse. But uh, right now, from the way I see it, I just think it's not a good time to do either one. See, I would disagree. I think buying is hard, but if prices are 10, 20% inflated, yeah. it would seem as if if you had if you're going to sell, it's not yeah. a bad time to sell if that's right. an average. I'm sure there's yeah, that's true. ebbs and flows in that. Mm -hmm. Now, next topic, fourth for today, I don't really follow sports that much, but there's something about major league baseball and pitchers and stuff on the ball, the sticky stuff. What is the general idea of that, Ben? So people are, you know, uh, so basically, uh, Pitchers, MLB pitchers, are getting caught putting some kind of a sticky substance, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. All foreign substances are not allowed on baseballs. If it's a foreign substance, it's considered cheating. And uh, so, in uh, Major League Baseball, the offense from you know the hitters has been down. Has been strikeouts have been up. Uh, you know, so the offense has been down. Uh, so now that they're cracking down on that, they're actually now seeing an improvement. And hitting, I've seen a lot more runs, you know, so it's a lot more entertaining. And ever since MLB decided to crack down on look for pitchers that are cheating, because now they're doing any pitcher that is caught gets an automatic 10 game suspension, which could add up to a lot of money. So any foreign substance on the ball is considered cheating. Yeah, it says, uh, yeah, offensive record lows, you mentioned that, but any uh, regular MLB is doing regular checks for pitchers. Uh, with the threat of a 10-game suspension, should any be found, and Seattle Mariner pitcher Hector Santiago yeah. received first suspension of that nature in June. Yeah. So it's probably gonna. So I guess as it's beginning easier to hit, right? So yeah, like you said, the offense goes up. Yeah, the offense is going to go up. So now pitchers are not going to look as good as they once did when they were getting away with this stuff. You even have like you know veteran all-star pitchers like Max Scherzer who had also hit had admitted to using this stuff in the past he's been dominant i mean i'm pretty sure he doesn't need it to be dominant and stuff but now but if he's if he admitted to it this makes you wonder like how many other pitchers have been yeah have been have been using it so it just makes you wonder because strikeouts have been up for a long time and it always seems like nowadays it's either a strikeout or a home run which is if you're just a casual baseball fan that's probably boring 
if you're just at a baseball game and literally all they're doing is striking out or hitting a home run, it really takes the predictability out of the game, which yeah. makes it far less interesting. It's it's kind of fun to see hits and activities that yeah yeah you want to see yeah. you want to see fielding and catches and double plays and doubles and triple you want to see all of that. You're just not there. To basically, you're basically seeing mm -hmm. just a home run derby or a strikeout fest. Yeah, you're still very right, and. Uh, that's true. I, I think I said a, a while ago to my wife or something like I kind of want like a game with with a lot of scoring and a lot of stuff. Yeah. And like you don't know who's gonna win at the end, and then of course you want your home team to win, but you want to wonder if they're gonna win. <laughs> that makes it more, yeah. makes it more fun and, to and, watch. And really, it's not fair to the pitchers that are actually playing it the right way. That are you know actually not putting anything on the ball, and they're actually doing it how they're supposed to, and they're getting you know say they are getting crushed or their numbers look inflated compared to the pitchers that are putting stuff on there. You know, you know, the numbers are going to not yeah. going to look, they're not going to be fair, you know? So um, that could really affect someone's free agency. Like, you know, if you had a pitcher that's been using, mm -hmm. uh, putting stuff on the ball and all of a sudden he gets a two year, you know, $15 million contract. Like, and then, you know yeah. I'm saying? Like, it's not fair to the other players. Well, I wonder like how much that could change it. Cause like, yeah. If you look at the skill levels of things like steroids, I mean, obviously, yeah. enhanced performance yeah. and other performance-enhancing drugs, but, like, I'm never going to be a major league slugger no matter how many steroids or performance-enhancing drugs I take. Exactly. So, like, you already got to be good to get yeah. as it, like... So, like, using the sticky substance, do you think takes you, what, from, like, like a 10 to an 11? Or, like, a mm. 7 to a 10? See, what kind of I, I, I get maybe, maybe just from, like, an 8 to a 10, but when you're talking major leagues... Just that much can make a big difference when you're talking about high velocity fastballs and changeups and movement. The the movement that these balls are making and stuff like that, like it's already hard. It's already hard to hit these pitchers. Like uh, like a, a 300, basically succeeding three out of ten times is considered good. Yeah, really good. Mm -hmm. Players are not even doing that, you know. So. Uh, it's just so just any little bit of an advantage a player can get can make a big difference. Yes, professional league, <laughs> everything, professional yeah. everything, right? Right. And last item today, hitting the entertainment topic a little bit. So Netflix, everybody's heard of it. A lot of people have memberships. Uh, in the second quarter of this year, uh, in the USA, Netflix lost about half a million subscribers. 500,000 subscribers or lower in the USA throughout second quarter, April, May, and June. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so worldwide is still increasing, mm -hmm. but is losing subscribers a little bit here and there. Yeah. Thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, well, to me, I'm not surprised by that either because as we know, last year unemployment went up. Uh, people were make, you know, taking unemployment and stuff like that. But when you are low on fines or you're not sure how you're going to get paid on a month-to-month -month basis, what are the first things you get rid of? It's usually things like Netflix yeah. or things you don't really need. And so, I mean, those two kind of go hand in hand. So if you got unemployment going up, you're going to get a lot of subscription-based services that are probably going to go down. Uh, and uh, But it's Netflix. I think they're going to, uh, and also, because it was that that was quarter one, so we're talking about like the winter months and everything. And quarter two, so April, May, and June. Oh, April, May, and June. So yeah. right as the weather was getting warmer, People were wanting to be outside more, and uh, yeah, I, but I would not be surprised if those numbers go back up for the fall. And I think, personally, it, it and to know the reasons is 
a lot of speculation, right? Yeah. But I think a lot of it is more competition. Yeah. The number of streaming services is only going up now. Like yeah. there's Discovery, I mean, Disney Plus has been around a while. HBO Max, relatively yes. new to the game. Uh, let's see, uh, yeah, Discovery One. What's the Paramount? Peacock. Peacock. It was like Amazon every Prime. year that yeah. passes, there's like three more streaming yeah. services. Yeah, that is an excellent point. And, and like HBO Max really is kind of. They turned up their game, like because now they have a really good, impressive movie library that they're offering. They have original stuff, and then they have that the same day as the movie movie theater release. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the same day going to HBO Max. I'm sure that's helped out HBO. So like, if you're thinking like, oh, I can watch brand new movies from home if I get an HBO Max subscription, I think Netflix really offers that. So and, and speaking of that, like I saw a headline over the weekend talking about uh, Black Widow and how a lot of like theaters across the country, like the theater owners and lobbying groups and all this stuff, yeah. were like railing into Disney about like, oh, you're just gonna release it like right, right at home right away, so yeah. how we make our money yeah. and all this stuff. And like, I, I empathize with the, the employees of those places, but yeah. I really don't think it's the, the studio's jobs no. to make sure theaters have a business. Yeah, that, that I <laughs> They agree care with. about the dollars and yeah, themselves. Yeah, well, they care about themselves. They care about how they're going to make money and they're going to do, like, if theaters are closed, what can they do? They got to yeah. make money somehow, so they're going to do it, you know, the best way they know how. They're going to go, you know, they're going to take other routes and everything. Movie theaters just got to figure out how to be better. I think, like, in the next mm -hmm. 10 years, it's going to be transformative mm -hmm. for theaters because they're gonna think, how are we gonna make people want to leave their house, want to probably pay more money mm -hmm. for what they can have at home and pause and go to the bathroom. Yeah. And that's a that's a thing. Yeah. And I think they're gonna figure that out and I think it's gonna it's gonna what's like thin the herd and the weakest ones aren't gonna make it. Yeah. And uh, you can already see that like, you know, the theater we have around here, like Marcus Theaters mm -hmm. and stuff like that, you can already tell that they're transitioning to more of a relaxed like I mean I, there's this full on like couches and lazy boys. Which is now. really cool. Like the yeah. reserve seats, you pick out your seats, you don't have to get there early. Yeah. You can recline back real nice. Some, and I've never been to one, but some have, don't they have like a service too? Like they'll bring you food inside of there, yeah. mm -hmm. which I think is, which is cool. Yeah. I always wonder if it wouldn't be distracting if, uh, with shuffling around with that, but I yeah. guess not. I've never done but, it. I think one of the biggest killers for the movies, and it's the stigma of going to the movies, is paying an arm and a leg for uh, soda and popcorn. Yeah. And, and, and candy. Like that's like, you're, you know you're going to spend a good $20. I mean, if you have a whole family, say you are you have three kids that you're taking to the movies mm -hmm. with you, that's going to be a lot. So it's like, why would you do that when you can just go to the grocery store and buy that stuff for far less cheaper and then stay at home? Such less of a hassle. If you have a family, oh my, I mean, I can I definitely see the uh, it's expensive. I can see the appeal yeah. of staying at home. So it's like, what can movie theaters do to make families, not just the individual, because mm -hmm. the, the hardcore movie fans like me, myself, we're going to go to the movie theaters no matter what, but how do you make the casual movie fan that has a family want to get them all, get them all together and say, hey, let's go to, let's have a movie night. Or is that even possible? Yeah. Yeah. Is that even possible? Because <laughs> right. I've, like, from a business standpoint, there's a, there's a saying, one thing my people say is, you double the prices, you get more than half as many customers. And yeah. sometimes you end up making more money if you increase your prices a lot. And I think that would be an interesting test to say just like double the prices, you think more than half as many people would go. Because yeah. you could make more money with less overhead if you, <laughs> if you did that. Yeah. And I think that's something too, because I think sometimes you try to, trying to convince the unconvincible is an easy way to, to lose a lot of money. Yeah. And I think 
I'm not sure if theaters are ever going to be the same just because the prices are so High. it's expensive to take a family there. So I don't know if it's even feasible to adjust that yeah. enough where it would not feel so expensive to go. Yeah. Um, basically, the only way movie theaters can get a profit is the exact reason why people don't want to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They rely on what no one wants to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, like, you know, and then they, they try to sell it and make it yeah. look good. Like, oh, you know, we have this big fancy theater, you know, uh, comfortable seating and stuff like that. That's great. But that still doesn't solve the problem of just 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 costing too much. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, if it's one person, okay, yeah, I'll spend fifteen dollars for myself and buy myself some popcorn for myself. But now, when you're talking about a family of four, mm -hmm. that that's when it gets absolutely. It's a crazy. lot. Yeah. All right. So recapping today's the five, the shorter lifespans in the USA, driven primarily by COVID, opioid epidemic settlement in New York, and I'm sure more across the country will be happening. Uh, People commuting longer to work, which most people aren't surprised by that. Major League Baseball, pitcher issues with the sticky, what do they call it, sticky stuff, and streaming stuff all the time. Netflix losing subscribers, second quarter this year, half a million, no small number. That is today's The Five for July 21st. To my right is Ben, I am Tyler. Thank you for watching, for listening. Have a great day. Later. Yeah, I think that's